0: See what God is doing, and to see the growth, the revival. Um, I was going to wait until after the three services to uh, to text Pastor Sam. Um, if you know if you know him, it'll be like thirty seconds after the service ends, and he'll already be calling. How did it go? So I was going to wait. And, but, man, that first song started playing. We, we got here, and we were in the back getting ready to come out. And, like, you could already feel the anointing. And so I started texting Pastor Sam. I'm like, man, there's something cooking and downy. It's strong. Amen? So um, I, I told my wife back, oh, I think in a, maybe the end of October, November, I told her, I said, Gina, I really think God wants us to um, spend more time in California we live in Tennessee. We're in the witness protection program. And, you know, I did, got, did some stuff back in Chicago. No, I'm kidding. No, but no, I did. Um, but we live, you know, we're over in the Smoky Mountains over there in, in East Tennessee. And um, I told her, I said, I really, I really feel like God wants me to be in California more in 2023. And um, call it old-fashioned, whatever the the you know, Pastor Sam's my pastor, my covering. There's another voice in my life who's been—he's been a voice in my life since I was 17. His name's Morton Bustard. He's—he's he's been an evangelist for over 40 years, and so he taught me when I was very young never to invite myself, like never bug pastors. Hey, can I come preach for you? Because then they won't answer your phone call. He said, "Let them call you. If God called you, God will open the door." So I've always just—not saying it's wrong if you do it a different way, but it's just the way I do it till today. So I wasn't going to call anybody, but I told Gina, I said, well, um, I guess if I'm right, I mean, if I did hear this from God, God will open the door, I guess. You know, somebody will call. Um, Well, Pastor Sam called me in December, and he said, what are you doing next year? I said, well, I mean, I don't have my whole year planned like you do. Pastor Sam's like, there's planners, and then there's Pastor Sam. Like, he knows what he's doing from here till the rapture. And then even after the rapture, he, always, he already has a few things on the calendar for when he gets to heaven. It's like, he already has some plans. So I said, well, I don't know exactly. He said, I think you need to be in Downey uh, one weekend a month. And he said, at least the first quarter, and let's see what God does. And I said, well, yeah, okay, let's do it. So, uh, and then someone else go. Anyways, the the long story short to this me is that, the last Sunday, this might be English service, but even even the white people know what may means here today. Hallelujah. It means gossip, in case you don't know. Uh, the gossip is that Pastor Sam and I have agreed to have a revival weekend, the last weekend of every month from here through April. So I'll be here every Sunday, the, the last Sunday of every month through April. <laughs> and then, I don't know, maybe the rest of the year. I told and I did tell him now, look, I'm about to start drama because I told him, I said, well, if I agree to do this, then you got to come one of the weekends. Like I'm like, what if we had a revival weekend with Pastor Sam and Pastor Tony and and Pastor Charlie and we just do one big like miracle, you know, just uh, revival. So I'm working on that. Just pray that God will give me influence. I get the man of God back over here. But um, so I'm just I have no other agenda but revival. No other agenda but seeing souls saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, water baptized. When I come in February, uh, we'll have the baptistry ready uh, this month alone. And this is a a very unique thing that God is doing. By the way, this isn't my sermon. I'm just really long-winded. Very unique this year. Last year, we saw a very, very strong outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, 100,000 people-ish. You know, we don't have the exact number, but... Just a strong outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. This year, there has been a very strong anointing for water baptism spontaneously. I've only, I think I've only gone out four, maybe five times this, this, this month already, but already this month, we've had over 100 people spontaneously decide to get water baptized in the services like they came to the service like the pastor didn't even have the baptistry out and they had to fill something with water because there was a line of people and so why don't we just go ahead since pastor sam's he told me that i had um, permission to do whatever i felt in the holy ghost why don't we already go ahead and just announce that the last sunday of february the last sunday of march we're going to be water baptizing and if you've never been baptized i'll baptize you If you got baptized and it didn't stick, (laughs) like, you know, some stuff has happened and see what happened was, if that's your story, then I invite you back to the waters of baptism. You know, some people were baptized religiously as children and, uh, They don't remember their baptism. And, you know, again, all kidding aside, maybe a lot of stuff has happened. And you feel to make a new commitment to the Lord, I'll I'll personally, I'll be in the water. I'll baptize you. And I'm believing the Lord. I'll tell you, my faith is very strong right now. I'm believing the Lord that uh, last weekend of February, somewhere between 25 to 50 people are going to be water baptized in this church. I just believe it's going to happen. And uh, we're going to have revival. So... Thank you in advance, and then we were just talking back there. I know this is the English-speaking crowd, but the last Saturday of March is, what do you call it? Noche de Avivamiento Avivamiento Pentecostal. You know it's good when it has that many words and that many syllables. Noche de Avivamiento Pentecostal. If you say that four times, we'll count you as speaking in tongues today. (laughs) But um, it's going to be a Saturday night. Oh, a Sunday night of old-school Spanish Pentecostal. The stuff I was... I don't know any of the new stuff. I don't know it. I know that stuff right there. That night, I'm bringing my flag, my tambourine, my shofar. No, I'm kidding. No, I will. That's the night I'm going to... We're going to have so much fun. So, uh, if you've never been to a real Spanish-speaking Pentecostal service, that's the night to come. I'm telling you, we'll have the modesty cloths. We'll have the bobby pins. Oh, there's a pandereta. I knew there was one of you in the room. She's like, she's like, just in case. Por si acaso. (laughs) Let me see that real quick, sis. This is is how you knew you had gone to a Spanish Pentecostal church. (laughs) Oh man. Listen, if you don't have that thing here in March, I'm not gonna come. I'll boycott. I'll go on strike. I'm like, no. Without, I don't praise without ribbons. Hallelujah. So, man, we're going to have a time, but I'm excited. You know, God did a great, great, um, a great thing in Southern California over 100 years ago. In a, a Well, in Azusa. You know where Azusa is. But Azusa Street Revival was so great, it touched the entire world. It was the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that humankind had seen since the day of Pentecost. And us spirit-filled believers honor Reverence, and we thank God for what he did. But there's a lot of us that are, and and understand what I'm saying, we're tired of talking about what he did rather than be able to talk about what he's doing. So let me explain that. You never forget your testimony. You always celebrate what God did, but you can't live in yesterday. I believe the God that moved in Azusa Street 120 years ago is the God that could give the Downey revival right now. The way they talked about Azusa, they could talk about Downey. It was just, it was a bunch of poor, broke people meeting in a barn that launched a worldwide revival. I don't see, I looked you all over. There's money here. I don't see anybody broke in this church. I mean, what could God do here? God could do a great thing. And so come with that kind of expectation. I have high faith. I don't come, man. I hope, I hope God shows up. I hope somebody gets healed. I come in with expectation. So I'm always looking. I'm like a nosy kid. What you get? I'm like, you know, like the Sunday after Christmas when you go to church in the the youth group, they're like, hey, what you get for Christmas? What you get? What you get? I come in. I'm like, hey, do you get healed? Do you get the Holy Ghost? Is your marriage better? Are your kids serving the Lord? Because I expect it to happen. I expect it. I'm not hoping and I'm not even praying. I expect it. We grew up singing, and I won't make you sing it now, but we grew up singing a song saying, I just feel like something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is on its way. God has promised he'd open all of heaven. And brother, this could be that very day. And then the last line says, and if God's people humble themselves and they look to Jesus expecting as they pray. Some people pray with zero expectation. They throw a Hail Mary to heaven. But I'm over here expecting that when the prayer goes up, the blessing and the answer is coming down. So I believe it. I just feel like something good's going to happen. One of my oldest and best friends, uh, Pete Montes, is here all the way from Union City, California. He's a minister and an executive with McDonald's, and he's got, he's got some stuff to do. Man, if your fries have been soggy lately, just tell Pete and he'll call and he'll make sure you get crispy French fries next time. But he's an executive with McDonald's and a minister of the gospel, a musician, a preacher, all kinds of stuff. And he's been a friend. We've been friends for a long time. We're all originally from Chicago. We all had to leave because we were all it's just a long story. But we just we can't go back, you know, Uh, but it's all right. No, I'm kidding. Um, And then evangelist Ruben uh, Flores is here. This this man right here is a street preacher, He's more than just a street preacher. He's a street preacher, park preacher, bus preacher, Uber preacher, Lyft preacher, church preacher. He just pre- He's just a preacher everywhere he goes. And uh, you remember in the 80s, uh, there was a toy called My Buddy. You remember that? Wherever he goes, I go. Well, that's My Buddy right there because anytime I go preach in California, My Buddy shows up. <laughs> so he's here. And uh, I'm just thankful for him. His beautiful wife is here as well. And so I honor you and all the saints of the Lord, your founding pastor. God bless you. I honor you today as well, man of God. Thank you. I honor you. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? I'm going to the book of Psalms 118 and uh, verse 15 and 16. Just for today. I'm going to, um, whichever version you put up is fine. I'm going to use the NIV just because I like the wording a little bit more. It reminds me of a song that was written many, many years ago. And uh, Psalms 118, verse 15 and 16. Hallelujah. This is the sermon of my heart at this moment in time. And... uh, The Bible says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. For the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. What I really want to focus on, though, is that first phrase of verse 15. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. And so, um, I'm not as good as Pastor Sam about Titling sermons, but I'm going to go ahead and call this one today. Prepare your tent. Prepare your tent. Father, I thank you because I know you're already here. Your presence is so strong. Thank you for this wonderful church and this body of believers that loves you so much. Use me for your glory today. May your words come from my mouth, from my lips. Let everything I do and everything I say point to you and bring glory to your name. Touch our ears to hear. Our hearts to receive, our minds to discern, but thus saith the Lord, and I ask that you would confirm it with a mighty move of your spirit, and we say the house is ready for the word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, brother. My sermon today is uh, uh, partially inspired by uh, an occurrence in uh, that happened in our home, in uh, Thank you, brother. I'll be, I think I'll be good for about 20 minutes, and then I'm going to need you again. Because um, what's going to happen, I'll get distracted, I'll start singing, and then you'll, you'll leave bad Google reviews. You'll be like, no, I, I didn't go for a concert. Um, my, I have a, my, we have five teenagers at home. It's the reason I traveled alone this weekend. Um, <laughs> needed a break. I saw, I saw them with their little baby, and they're, they're you know, just holding. I'm like, oh, I remember when they were little. I wish they were little again because, like, right now it's like we got a clearance sale at our house. I'm like, Who wants a teenager? We got one. You just take your choice. Um, <laughs> but my youngest had knee surgery recently. He had four knee dislocations over the last several months. He's a soccer player and uh, dislocated his knee in April, and then it happened again. So, after the fourth one, they said, We're gonna have to do knee surgery. And so, one of the things that had to happen was that somebody from the surgery center had to come to our house to help us prepare the room uh, for when Zachary came home from surgery. They said, there's some things that you're going to need here. There's some things you're going to need to change. Uh, Not everything can stay the same. He's not going to be able uh, to go up the stairs. And so they came to, in a way, inspect if things were were ready. And so, uh, as I told you the last time I was here, I believe I did, I can get a sermon out of anything. I mean anything. Two weeks ago, Gene and I were getting, we're uh, getting, uh, walking out of the house into the garage to get in the car and we heard something like just, you heard something just coming from the corner. And listen, I'll rebuke the devil and take authority. But i tell you right now, if a rodent comes, I'm like, nope. I'm going to be like, honey, I believe in women power. You take care of that one. I'm out. (laughs) So I heard the I heard the movement in the corner and I'm like, oh, man, well, you know, I had to like man up, you know, because I did not want to be a complete wimp in front of my wife. So I had to man up. And so like I tiptoeing and looking and whatever. Well, it wasn't a, wasn't a rodent. It was it was a bird. I got a, I had a sticky trap in the corner just in case something tried to sneak in there. Well, there was a, a bird and it was stuck and I felt I felt horrible. I mean, you know, because and she's like, that's what you get for leaving the garage door open. You know, she's my bishop, you know. She's just like, yeah, rebuking me, and that's what you'd get for leaving the door. I'm, you, you're not, we're not live, are we? Okay, are we? No? Okay, I'm going to keep talking about her. She's like, you, I got to close that door. In the noon service, 1230, this is going to be a completely different story. My wife and I held hands, and we prayed together. She's like... She's like, they can't leave the garage door. Now now look at that. You got a bird over there. She's like, you better go get that thing. I'm like, I don't want to touch it. And she's like, I'm telling you, if you get on an airplane and there's a dead bird in that, she's like, I'm going to lock the doors and you're just going to stand out there with your dead bird. I'm like, hey. I'm like, man, we need to go to that marriage retreat Downey's having. (laughs) So. Uh, the truth was, I was running a little late, and I didn't really want to miss. By the way, this has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm on a rabbit show right now, but telling you how I can get a sermon out of anything. So I had to go run and do something, and I got back home, and I could still hear the flutter coming from the corner. And I walked in the house, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this thing. So I don't know. Was maybe seven, eight hours later. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to do this. And so I go outside. And I go to the garage and I push the button to open the garage door. And I walk, and all of a sudden, a bird just starts whoop, 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 whoop around the garage. And whew, as soon as that door was open, it was out. And I'm, you know, I'm doing what any you know, strong man would do. I was like hunkered down in between the cars, hiding. And I got up and I went to check the trap. The bird wasn't there anymore. That little bird had fluttered and whatever to the point till he finally got himself free from the glue trap. You say, what does it have to do? It reminded me of a verse that says, my soul escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to preach about that bird one day. So now you know what I'm preaching about in February. When when the enemy has you glued down, when he says there's no hope, my soul escaped like a bird. (laughs) So I can get a sermon out of anything. And so they're at the house helping me, you know, about what we got to do for the room. And and she's like, well, and she starts telling me, she's like, well, the first thing you got to do is you got to make room. I'm like, okay. She's like, and then you got to prepare the area. And I'm like, ooh, wow, Lord. I mean, the, you know, my little Pentecostal twitch is coming in. I'm like, and then what? She's like, and then get make room for healing. I'm like, I'm like. And so she wasn't trying to preach, but I'm too churchy. I mean, like she, I'm like, ooh, go ahead, Bishop, go ahead. (laughs) So that little conversation really inspired what I want to talk to you today about. Because the Lord put in my spirit that the anthem verse for this year is what we just read out of the book of Psalms. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Another translation says the song of victory is being sung in the household of those that are righteous. And the song is the Lord's right hand has done many mighty things for us. Anytime you see the right hand of God in scripture, we're talking about his miracle working power and, authority. and the song of the righteous, according to the book of Psalms, the song of the righteous is the Lord has done mighty things for us. I was getting ready to get on my first uh, airplane of 2023 to fly to Jessup, Georgia, to preach uh, camp meeting for the Church of God. And I heard the Lord speak these words to me. He said, tell my people. Make room for a miracle." I said, "That's all. He said, just tell them to make room for a miracle. So I went to Georgia, and I thought that only belonged to Georgia. I got to upstate New York, and the Lord said, "Tell them, make room for a miracle." I went to Tampa and he told me to tell it there, Whittier, And then today, as I was getting ready, he said, "You tell Downey, they've been preparing. they've been praying. They've been fasting and they've been waiting. But I, the Spirit of the Lord, say, tell them, make room for a miracle. For I am about to do what only I can do, says the Spirit of the Lord. Make room. Make room because you're about to have shouts of joy, shouts of victory. You're going to sing in your house. The Lord's right hand is moving on my behalf. The Lord's right hand is doing mighty things for us. My children are walking in, God, in holiness again. My marriage is being healed my money is blessed my whole everything i touch everything everywhere i go i see the hand of the lord god's right hand is moving on my behalf hallelujah he said tell him to make room for a miracle and then It was this story about my son, everything I'm talking to you about, getting ready. So, you know, he said, tell him, make room for a miracle. But there is preparation involved in making room for the miracle. The book, uh, uh, so in scripture, uh, in Christianity, let let me do this first. So in Christianity... We are what theologians call a monotheistic religion. We believe in one God. Then there's polytheistic religions like Hinduism and Buddhism and and other pagan religions that believe there's millions of gods or hundreds of gods. And they have a God for everything. I think in the Hindu religion there's like 30 million gods. Because there's a God for everything. Okay? Well, we don't have time to get into that. They got a God for everything and then they have the God above all gods whose name we don't know. But you know it. Anyhow, all right, I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to get on a rabbit trail right now. Because even, even pagan gods, even demonic spirits have to acknowledge you might call us God, but we know that there's a true God, one God. Anyhow. So in Christianity, we're considered monotheistic. We believe that there's one God that has been revealed to us. However, within monotheism, there is this uh, school of thought that's called being monolistic. And, And to be monolistic means that you're not all the way convinced that yours is the only one. You just prefer yours over the others. And what we find in Scripture is that though the Israelites were supposed to be monotheistic, they were actually monolistic. God brings them out of Egypt Gives them the gold and the silver of Pharaoh. Gives them a promised land. But we find out that when, we, when they left Egypt, they brought some of the Egyptian gods with them in their tent just in case. Por si acaso. I'm going I'm to bring this god and this god. I'm going to wrap them up and hide them. And I'm just going to put it in my tent where nobody can see it just in case. Just in case manna doesn't fall. Just in case there isn't quail in the evening. Just in case that pillar of fire or that cloud disappears. I'm going to bring something with me just in case. So they preferred Jehovah God, but they had a plan B and a plan C just in case. And when they got to the mountain and Moses went up and was having an experience with God, the children of Israel created another God. Just in case Moses didn't come down from the mountain. Just in case something didn't work out, we're going to have... So what this proves is that they were not truly converted. Amen? Uh, so, so, some of you, uh, maybe if you're like, you know, single and you're trying to figure out, like, is this going to go to marriage? You'll know they're truly converted when they can delete all the other phone numbers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, Ooh, that was pop. I need to write that one down real quick so I remember that one. Man, this is a free marriage retreat right here. You didn't even have to RSVP for this one. They're truly converted, tr- truly persuaded when you're the only one that they want to talk to. You're the only one they want to go to dinner with. There's, but when they got, you know, plan B, plan C, you know, por si acaso, just in case. I mean, if they're the one for you, then you better be the only one for them. Amen. So God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to be your plan B or plan C. He doesn't, I mean, he, he listen, he desires so much to have your love and to have, to have you in, in relationship and covenant with him. He's the God of multiplied second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 100th chances. But he desires that you follow him and him alone. And we see that it doesn't matter how many miracles, doesn't matter deliverance, blessing, prosperity, everything happens at the Exodus. Not only does salvation come to them, prosperity comes to them. They didn't go into the wilderness broke, ladies and gentlemen. They went into the wilderness with gold and silver. Everything that used to belong to Pharaoh belonged to them. Could you see, I mean, like, you gotta see the picture. I mean, there's somebody walking around there, just, I mean, they got Pharaoh's bracelets on. Hey. But even with prosperity and blessing, they're not fully converted and they can turn. And and we find out that time and time again, this isn't a one time issue with Israel. This happens many times. So one reason that we don't that that we keep things in the tent that shouldn't be there is because we're not fully persuaded. We're not fully converted. The first point, the first point of the message is that for for, you know, God said, make room for a miracle. There's some things you got to get out of the tent there's some old habits and customs there's some old culture and some old religion there's some um, uh, some emotions and some habits and and some worldliness and so there's things that you got to decide now I got to get this out this shouldn't be in my tent but the first step is you got to be fully persuaded and, and converted that god is the only way Now, there's the issue of being fully persuaded and fully converted, and then there's the other issue. The Bible tells us in the book, I think it's 1 Samuel, that the Israelites, 1 Samuel chapter uh, uh, 4, 5, 6, 7, there's an entire story there about them losing the Ark of the Covenant. They were having, listen, they had good intentions. They went to fight for their land. They're fighting for what's theirs. They take the Ark of the Covenant into battle, and they're trying to do right, But life sucker punched them. They lost 38,000 soldiers. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. Sometimes on a good day, you can have a bad day. Sometimes you're trying to do right. You have good intentions. You're, you're tithing and you're, you're praying and you're coming to church faithful, but sometimes life has a way of just, oh, and knocking the wind out of you. And you gotta know how to react in those moments. You gotta know, this is why it's important to have people that can support you and, 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 and even be accountable to because it's in those moments of gasping for, for air that you, you gotta know, that's the moment where what we say we believe is truly exposed. And what we see in 1 Samuel 6 and 7 is that when they lost the Ark of the Covenant and they lost 38,000 soldiers, the Bible says that they lived without the presence of God for 20 years. And here's what's crazy. The Ark of the Covenant came back. What they lost tried to come back, but they were so defeated, nobody could recover it. They just let it pass them by. They just let it pass by. And for 20 years, they lived in defeat. And the Bible says they returned back to their old gods. You say, well, how? Why is it so easy for people to backslide? Because they never cleaned the tent. Now, I'm going to say some things that are a little old-fashioned. Don't be offended. Anything I say, you pray about it, okay? My dad was an old-school Holiness Pentecostal preacher, okay? When you came to church and got saved and gave your life to the Lord, and after you got water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, you notice the next thing that happened? My dad go visit your house with a garbage bag. <laughs> you remember that, Pastor? My dad, maybe it didn't happen everywhere, but I'm going to tell you, my dad would show up, and I'll tell you right now, he was throwing out liquor bottles. He was throwing out idols and statues. He was getting rid of witchcraft and any kind of book. He'd be looking through the books. And, I like, you know, he was invited into the house. Normally, but he would come in and he'd be like, "No, that's witchcraft. No, that's witchcraft. No, you don't need a horoscope. No, you don't need this." And my, well, my dad was purging the house. My dad would get rid of. I'm telling you, there'd be bonfires and we're <laughs> we're burning stuff. I mean, and my dad, he wasn't the kind that would just leave the. Oh, pastor, we'll get rid of the liquor bottles. He said, no, you won't. I'll take them. He said, I'm just trying to help you. It's not that I don't trust you. I don't trust the devil. And so my dad would go and get all those things out of what he was cleansing the house because he knows that he knew and he and we taught us that the enemy is he's searching who to devour? He's trying to get in there in a moment of, of in a moment of weakness. And so, if God's brought you out of a lifestyle of drinking and alcoholism, if God's brought you out of that, but then something happens and there's still a bottle in the house, it's. I, I told you, I'm, I'm still holiness, ladies and gentlemen. I might be wearing a t shirt, but I'm still holiness. Hallelujah. But if you keep something like that in the house, there's going to be that, that 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 desire to go back. Uh, is that too much? Am I offending it? You? So you got you to gotta cleanse the house. You, you, gotta, you, you got you to make sure that there's no there's no room for any of that in the house. And what we find with the Israelites is that even after Egypt, after all these battles and victories and blessing, they still kept on and held on to some stuff just in case. And in a moment of weakness, they turned to their old gods. And the prophet comes and he says, listen, enough is enough got to get you got to get rid of that you got to get that out of your tent if you'll turn your your life your heart completely and fully to god and get all of these things then then god can send the blessing then your land can be restored so the that first point is look at your tent look at your family your marriage what is in this tent that shouldn't be here right now is it, and, and, and you say, well, preacher, I don't, have a, I don't have a problem drinking. I don't have a problem with drugs. I don't have a problem with that. But maybe it's a bad attitude. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's religion. Hallelujah. Maybe there's some things that are in this house. Maybe it's the media. Maybe it's politics. There's things that all of us, how do you know it shouldn't be there? If it's stealing and robbing your time from God. If if it's causing you to stumble rather than to walk in the things of the Lord, I'd get it out. I would make sure when that nurse came, hallelujah, when that nurse came to our house, the first thing she's like, "Look, we're going to have to get rid of this and that." I mean, if you're bringing a new p- piece of furniture into the house, the first thing you have to do is get the old thing out. God wants to bring a blessing, a miracle into your house, but you got to get rid of the curse. You got to get rid of the worldliness. You got to get rid of these things. Amen second point is you got to prepare the room for the miracle so the nurse said this has to go this has to go you've got to move all this stuff out now let's get the room ready and there was some there was some equipment that they had to bring because he wasn't going to be able to really walk for about two weeks so now it was what do we knew what do we got to do to prepare the room so not only do I have to get stuff out but I got to prepare the room for what God wants to do I remember um, When Gene and I, you know, uh, we're buying new furniture and things are arriving, I I remember this one particular, they're they're coming in with mattresses and, uh, you know, they're trying to move all our stuff in together and they walk in and they said, "Where's where's the bed frame? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, there's something there at the wall. They're like, well, you got the mattress, you got the headboard, but where's the frame? Because without the frame, you can't do anything with the pieces that you had. And so they had to go on a wild goose chase finding the frame. Okay. What God wants to do requires some preparation. What's the framework of your miracle? After you've ridded your house of the things that shouldn't be there, you got to bring in what needs to be there. There needs to be a frame or a, or, or a bedrock or a foundation of the word of God. You need to establish this word in your heart. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Bible says, you know, teach your children the ways of the Lord. Teach them the word so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. So for this miracle that God is doing, the second point is you got to prepare. You got to put the word into your house. Turn CNN off, turn Fox off, turn everybody. Here's what happens is you go to the media first and they send you into the pit, and then you need the word to come like a lifeline on who wants to be a millionaire to ooh, the anointing uh, to pull you out of the pit. My God, the hotel key fell out. Praise God. That's powerful. You need the word to pull you out of the pit. But what if you start your day in the word first? That's the framework. I'm gonna start my word, I'm gonna start my day in the word first, and then when I hear bad news coming, Everything I see, I see it through the perspective of the word. When they say this is going to happen and this happens, I say, wait, I already heard from God. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. So i got to have the framework of the word. i got to have a house full of prayer. I, what am I doing is I'm cultivating the room. I'm making sure that, there, that this, in this house, God reigns. God is king. God is the Lord. So point one is I get rid of what shouldn't be there. Point two is I bring in what I can do. God can't pray, you pray. Amen? God speak, God speak, God speak. He said, man, I spoke. In fact, I spoke so good, I made sure they wrote it down so it would be preserved forever. There's so many answers, so many of the answers we need for today, tomorrow, are right here. You just gotta get in the word. And then the last point, After you've cleaned the house and prepared the house, then God does what only he can do. The miracle, that's God's business. That's when God says, all right, this room, this house, this person, this life, this marriage is now ready for me to do what only I can do. And that's when the right hand of Almighty God moves on your behalf. Uh, Brother Pete and I were, uh, we were at an event last night with some of our ministry partners. And Brother Pete was telling a story about uh, the pandemic. And he was working for a company and um, and uh, a, a slip of paper that was the color pink came his way. And you remember how scary some of that season was. I'm tired of talking about it as much as you are. But... He talked about how in that season he started sowing a seed. He started he just in the Lord. He started looking for a job. He started calling people. I mean, he didn't just sit home and cry. It would have been easier to just sit home and get angry. Man, I've been in church my whole life. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I guess that didn't work out for me. And man, I play the drums and I lead service and I get to preach. And my mother's the national ladies president of my denomination. And I mean, it would have been easy for you to just fill out like a whole complaint card and email it to heaven. Elijah did that. Elijah called fire down from heaven and then Jezebel said I swear to God I'm gonna have your head I'm gonna kill you and he went and he hid in a cave and started complaining I'm the only one that serves you and now they're gonna kill me too Pete did it different Pete said no I'm a hustle I got kids at home I have five at home you know through a you know a blending of a family he has like five on purpose I mean it's powerful He's like, I got kids at home that need food. I got a wife who likes the house that we live in. I can't sit here and just cry. Well, i will get up. I'm going to go find a job. I'm going to put seed in the ground because you can't have a harvest without seed. I'm going to give offerings. I'm going to believe the Lord. And now he's got a better job than the one that he used to have. God's blessed him exceedingly. Abund- what did he do? He made room for a miracle. He made room for a miracle. He made sure I'm not going to have bitterness in my home. I'm not going to have depression in my home, but I'm going to have seed in my house. I'm I'm going to trust the Lord and we're going to praise God. We're going to trust God even in the midst of all this all these question marks. He made room and then God swooped in. And God did what only God can do. And here's the good news. The God of Pete Montes is your God. If he does it for one, he'll do it for all. God, God's desire is to bless you and to be good to you. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. It's his desire to see you walk in health and holiness. It's his desire to see you happy and joyful. It's his desire for you to be victorious because you're the visible image of the invisible God to the world. When people see you, they see God. And I just want to encourage you if you stand with me today as I come to a close. I just want to encourage you. Make room for a miracle. Lord, make room for a miracle. Examine your life and see what needs to go. Then examine it and see what you need. And then when you do that, God says, now it's my turn. And I promise you, this year, you're going to sing. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. God healed. God delivered. God made a way. God blessed. God multiplied. I told you when I was here, even the speakers are saying amen right now. I told you the last time I was here, I prophesied to you and I say it to you again. That while this world says recession, 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 the people of God will say revival, revival, revival. This recession isn't going to touch you. In the name of Jesus, it doesn't touch you. People say, yeah, but pastor, you know what? The, I'm not subject to this world's economy. I'm not in a bear market or a bull market. I'm in the lion's market. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed coming in, going out. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. I put seed in the ground and I reap a harvest. God has never failed me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous begging bread. And if that was true for David in a cave, it's true for you in Downey, California in 2023. I declare and decree over you the prosperity of God, the healing virtue of God, the miracle working power of God, Victory, victory, victory. Shouts of joy resound in the tents of the righteous. And our song is The Lord's Right Hand Has Done Mighty Things. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask them to lead us in a song. I already, they got a victory song. I don't even know what it is, but I feel it. And I want us to leave before we leave. I want us to make sure that we give God a praise like the miracles already taking place. Like the house you're trying to sell already sold. Like the car you're wanting to buy is already in your garage. That the child that's smoking dope right now is on fire in the Holy Ghost already. That that marriage that feels like it's falling apart serves the Lord. I just want you to shout like the victory is already in your tent. Let's make room right now. Let's praise God right now. The Lord is in this place.